0: Hi, I'm Britton. There is no Spencer. Since 2011, Buckethead has released 322 albums in his Pike series, and I'm going to listen to them, three at a time. This is Gettin' Head. Hey,
1: Buckethead! (laughs)
0: Welcome friends, foes, bros, and hoes. Those who go, those who know, and those with stacks of hard-earned dough. Those who glow, those who grow. Weed or mushrooms, please contact me on any social media. Those who stow away on ships. Bloods, MS-13s, and Crips. Those on trips. Hairdressers at Great Clips. And any cowboy who shoots from the hip. People with pussies with that gorilla grip. People who can do a backflip. Goths with Diet Coke taking a sip. That one dead guy from the tragically hip. It's all bungled, it's in trouble, but it's still a blast. It's episode one fucking hundred of getting Head of Bucket Cast. One hundred big ones, wow. Didn't, um, didn't set up, a guest for for the big big one hundred. But you know what? That was Spencer's job. And as you might notice, Spencer is no longer here. I'm not gonna make a huge deal out of it, um, but there were some artistic differences and like differences in ability to follow through on making not only this podcast, but Soy Trek and actually doing, you know the actual work required to maintain and grow podcast. And so after a lot of deliberation and stuff, I, I had a talk with Spencer and he decided to go ahead and take a break. Um, and I said, why don't you go ahead and make that break permanent? Um, and I will go ahead and, you know, finish up the bucket cast or at least catch up to, uh, to Buckethead's Pike's. And, uh, you know, Soytrek, thankfully, has a second guest, or second host, so we're just going to go ahead with Pat there and maybe find her third host. But am going to give uh, Spencer space, give him some some time to um, recollect himself artistically and spiritually and spatially. And I don't know. Um, just, you know, he's obviously, and he hasn't been really since we started this, in the greatest place to be able to a very effective partner in not only making this podcast happen but making it grow making it you know super engaging and a super cool thing to listen to and make you know so going forward um I'm probably just gonna have a bunch of guests to finish out the rest of the pikes um other than that you know we'll, we'll figure out what's going on but um you know, I really appreciate uh, you bearing with me. Uh, if you're listening to this now, I really thank you. Um, you know, you've been awesome, and the fans, more than anything, have made this worthwhile. Um, so, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us, and uh, you know, thanks, Spencer, for the uh, the 99 episodes you did. And you know, I guess uh, good luck in your artistic future. That's depressing, right? That's super depressing. Speaking of depressing, why don't we just get right into goth news, huh? Yeah, that sounds good. Goth news it is.
1: Goth news! Goth news!
0: This week in goth news, the inaugural goth night was canceled at Six Flags Magic Mountain. According to an article in the Los Angeles Daily News, the theme park event night which would have featured mixed industrial live bands and death rock DJs coupled with the regular offerings of roller coasters, haunted mazes, and other attractions, has been cancelled, with both the organizer and the park blaming one another. Goth on the Mountain, a joint venture between Fontana-based Inland Empire Goth and Six Flags Magic Mountain, was set to be held at the theme park on September 16th at 7pm to midnight. We had an agreement with the park that was negotiated months ago, but they could not comply with the terms of the agreement, the Inland Empire Goth Facebook post said. Continuing, We tried extremely hard to, mo- uh, to modify the agreement with the park to keep the event alive, but they could not meet our terms, such that it would have been too much of a detriment to Inland Empire Goth and to our members. Six Flags Magic Mountain officials declined to comment. Inland Empire Goth is reviewing options for recovering losses from the Magic Mountain and promises to fully refund all Goth on the Mountain ticket holders. Further in Goth news, in Goth obituaries this week, we say goodbye to the Queen. The Queen of England. Specifically, Elizabeth Alexandra Mary II, Queen of the United Kingdom and other Commonwealth realms who died this week on Thursday, September 8th. Let me be very clear when I say this. Queen Elizabeth II was not goth, and in fact, she's a figurehead for colonialism and control and hegemony over those whose agency belongs only to themselves. The United Kingdom has, for far too long, put inbred, overpaid, and overqualified leaders on the throne, and although their power is now mostly ceremonial, also literal, if they want it to be, and is more power than anybody not duly elected should ever have. Same with the House of Lords. Honestly, fuck the politics in the UK. you all have the NHS, which is dope, but everything else is fucking dog shit. You're as bad as America, but with even dumber rules. Rest in piss, Elizabeth. May Charles III find an expedient grave. Fuck the monarchy. Stay dead. You dumb bitch. And finally, in goth news, it was reported this week that all-star quarterback Peyton Manning sold all his Papa John's stock amid a controversy. Soon after relocating to Denver from Indianapolis to play for the Broncos, Matting reportedly began buying up Papa John's restaurants, first starting at franchises near his home stadium in downtown Denver, and eventually branching out to own 31 stores. However, sales dipped in late 2017, when goth and pizza patriarch Papa John Schnatter entered the news for some incendiary remarks about football players at the time. At this time, Peyton was personal friends with Schnatter and one of the leading figureheads for the company. Peyton still shot commercials for the company well into 2018 in an attempt to repair the company's image. But as soon as the NFL cut ties with the chain in early 2018, Peyton began to divest. Although it's unclear when he fully divested, Manning no longer owns any stake whatsoever in the company. One thing, however, is clear. Schnatter stepped down as CEO of Papa John's after he blamed declining sales of football players protesting the treatment of black people in America, causing their stock to fall 30%. He then used the N-word during a conference call.
1: Golf News! Oh
0: boy. So yeah, that's uh, that's all that's all the goth news for this week. Man, what's what's new with me? What's going on with me? What do we want to talk about? Uh what I do this week. Oh, um yeah, so uh week ago, a couple weeks ago, someone hit me up. My my parents have been visiting, whatever, that's been kinda of boring. Um and I kinda wanted to like get out of the house, do something. So um some girl uh, trans girl uh, hit me up on fucking um on Bumble and uh you know we got to talking and they were like oh you say you're a dom on your profile I I always you know on all my dating profiles I'm very like upfront like I'm a, I'm a very sexual person I like to get freaky, eh? um and so you know, in as much I like to you know kind of kind of advertise it like I'm not interested in a relationship that does not involve you know a fair amount of, of sex really to be honest i mean not a not a relationship that i find online though i guess like i i prefer to like seek out my friends through other friends and stuff i don't know i'm a little weird like that i'm not i'm not in you know if i'm on a dating website i'm usually not just looking for like platonic friends um so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sexy and suggestive on profiles and so i get a lot of like first messages um especially on bumble lately they're like uh dom me just come come over and dom me daddy and i'm like yeah and so um you know uh this girl was like uh yeah you know, you should come off her i'm like yeah that sounds cool um and they're like uh does it does it matter that i'm trans i'm like no, fucking Gawk rules. Uh, Gawk meaning girl cock, by the way. And uh, so, you know, I go over there and they're, they're super cute. Um, you know, apparently they, they just moved here from the East Coast and they, like, first day they were here looking for dick. First day. Uh, I'm like, oh, good girl. That's great. So, you know, we get, we get down to business and I, I sucked a dick for the first time in quite a long time. Um, golly. I mean, I want to say the last time I sucked a dick, Got must've been 20, 2019, 2018. I mean, it was pre COVID. Like I got, I got some of that pre COVID dick in my mouth, but I almost forgot like what it was like. And like, but it's, it's the same thing as any kind of genital really is you gotta, you gotta read the room, you know, you gotta learn everyone likes something a little different. Like. Um, you know, they sucked my dick and I was like, you can be like way, way crazier with it. It's not very sensitive. And so they were like going hard with the teeth and everything. And they're like, are you sure that doesn't hurt? And I'm like, no, no, that feels pretty fucking good. I can actually feel that. They're like, Ugh. which, you know, I get no one, no one wants to destroy anyone's dick, but I tell, I tell anyone I'm with, I'm like, Hey, just like, I mean, don't do not do not do not hurt the balls. The balls are sacred. The balls are precious, Um, you can't can't hurt the balls. Don't, don't do it. Not the balls. But the dick, the dick is like, um, gosh. I mean, you can do probably more to my dick except for the head of it than you can to basically any other part of my body before like a threshold of pain. Like, if you bite my arm kind of hard, uh, it's gonna hurt. If you bite the shaft at my cock, I feel like I've just like beaten my dick so many fucking times, it's like you know, I just I just I mean it's not I mean I can feel things. It's not like it's not sensitive. It's just not sensitive, if you know what I mean. And so they're they're over there fucking beating it up like a fucking like um oh what do you what's those things with the bus? speed bag. Doing a speed bag dub it dub it dub it dub it. Um, yeah. And it was like, uh, it, it was, it was dope though. Cause, um, so they had like the smallest, cutest cock i had ever seen. Um, it wasn't like a micro penis or anything. It was just like a tiny dick, a tiny, tiny lady dick. And it was just super cute. Didn't, doesn't come at all. Um, it just like, you know, seeps out pre-cum and stuff, but I don't care. I don't, I don't need come comes whatever. Cum can be tasty. Cum can be dis- disgusting. On the on the whole, like, on the average, cum don't taste great. I mean, you can definitely get used to someone's cum, taste their cum, and, like, like it, I guess. But there aren't many people who just, like, have naturally, like, delicious semen. At least to me. I don't know. That's, um... Uh, that's kind of my thing, I guess. Um... So yeah, uh, what else has been going on uh, this week? Um, oh God, I watched a movie last night, uh, 2005's Camouflage. It's, a, it's definitely like a later uh, Leslie Nielsen film, uh, who also has just like a bunch of people you don't know, except for William Forsythe is in there, and Patrick Warburton is also in there. Other than that, it is like a bunch of kind of nobody character actors and stuff like that, um, it's about like this this unsuccessful actor who goes to be a like a an assistant to a private eye who is played by Leslie Nielsen, and um, o- oddly enough, the film is co-written by none other than Billy Bob Thornton, which I find very strange. Um, the director, I have no idea what he else he's done. James Keach. I don't like have anything else he's done. Uh yeah, this this was this was um not a good movie. I would I would not recommend it unless you're a huge Leslie Nielsen head, of which I know zero. Um not great, not particularly funny. Like the role was obviously written for Leslie Nielsen and it does have the um you know, like the police files type kind of cadence and him talking like this, you know, kind of like uh, he's a, a classic movie cop kind of character, almost like a noir type uh, movie cop. But he's just a fucking doofus. Very, very Leslie Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen movie. If a you catch my drift, uh, And it was it was pretty good. Um, you know, I wait, did I just see it was pretty good after I said it was pretty bad? I'm sorry. I was I was looking at some other titles. Uh I did not mean it was pretty good. I thought it was dog shit. Don't don't bother pretty pretty bad guys. Uh but you know what I watched that was absolutely fucking phenomenal that I never watched before somehow was 2003's Master and Commander: Far Side of the World. Fucking fucking great. Just the one of one of the best fucking movies. Um like, holy shit. Absolutely holy shit. I, 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 can't, I can't love this movie enough. Um, yeah, what else did Peter Weir do here? The Truman Show? Oh, I didn't know he directed The Truman Show. That's great. The Truman Show fucking slaps. Uh, oh, Witness with Harrison Ford. That's a pretty good one. The Mosquito Coast. I forgot with Harrison Ford also. That is also a good film. I forgot about that one. 86 is the Mosquito Coast. I should go back and watch that. I haven't seen that one in um gosh, probably 15 20 years. It's it's been a bit.
1: Uh yeah.
0: Jeez. Um but Master and Commander, it is like oh god, it is like a first off, it's a it's a film made entirely for for dudes. Like I I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's a dude film. It's a phenomenal dude film though. It's all about like camaraderie on a boat for for over 2 hours. I mean, there's um it does have like some historical context and it's really pretty interesting, but more than anything it's like men you would call brother and you trust your life with on a boat, uh, the movie. And um, I can't say enough good things about it. Like the, the direction, the sense of time, the sense of pacing. like, And also, at the very end of the movie, like it almost leads on a cliffhanger. And I, more than anything wanted it to keep going or i wanted a sequel or something like it just it it made me feel so good uh, apparently they spent like 150 million on the movie though cuz basically i mean everything they did was with like they built real ships for the fucking movie which is insane um and awesome but it's just like one of the coolest period pieces it's so thorough russell crow is so fucking commanding in the film it is, it is a film to be beheld. Uh, it holds up better than I think any other film from uh, from 2003. I'd say, I can't think of a single film from 2003 that I have watched anywhere recently that is nearly that good. Um, yeah, fucking watch Master and Commander. It's great. Anyway, um, speaking of a master and a commander. I think it's time for a bucket fact.
1: Bucket fact, bucket, bucket fact, fact, bucket fact, bucket fact, bucket fact, bucket fact, bucket fact, fact bucket fact, fact, fact bucket, bucket
0: Hey yo, uh, it's bucket facts. Today we're gonna dive into a couple albums Bucket had appeared on in the early '90s, released by the band Ice House. Yeah, you heard that right. Just like the cheapest beer in the grocery store, Ice House. Icehouse is an Australian band, originally billed as Flowers, best known in Australia in the late 1970s Sydney pub scene and later in the early to mid-80s for their more mainstream uh, radio success in Europe and the U.S. Uh, Icehouse were early pioneers in the use of synthesizers and the Fairlight CMI computer in popular music, uh, which was a very early digital audio workstation developed in the late 70s That cost 18,000 pounds new, which adjusted for inflation, today, is $100,000. American. Think about that. Paying $100,000 for an instrument, and multiple people had these. That's insane. Icehouse met Buckethead, like many musicians in his early days met him, through Bill Laswell. Laswell was contacted by the band to do a remix of their song, Big Wheel, and, being involved with Buckethead and Praxis at the time, Buckethead was invited to lay down a guitar track for him. Icehouse loved his work and, consequently, asked Buckethead to uh, come back for their next remix album, Full Circle. This album also featured Laswell, as well as then-member of Praxis Bernie Worrell, R.I.P., to lay down some keys. Uh, Engineering duties were handled by none other than Oz Fritz, who's a legendary sound engineer, and as I understand it, the guy who did the live sound at the most recent Praxis show, which is totally fucking awesome. Old friend of Bill Laswell's. Although Big Wheel is mostly just versions of one song, I can't recommend the follow-up Full Circle quite enough. I listened to the full album and honestly didn't recognize... Uh, them until the second-to-last track, Great Southern Mix, which is a remix of their song Great Southern Land uh, off of their album Primitive Man or Primitive Land, something like that, which, um, if you're as old as me, I think you might recognize. I feel like the song got a ton of airplay in the 90s and was definitely licensed to a ton of uh, different movies and TV shows. But then, after researching that line that I just said, um, I realized that maybe only I will recognize this song as its most notable use was in 1988's Young Einstein, uh, directed, written, and starring Yahoo Sirius, which I just watched a couple months ago, and it fucking sucks. Don't watch it. It's this weird retconning about Einstein like making beer bubbly. It's so dumb. I hated that movie. Regardless of Young Einstein, I enjoyed the shit out of this album, and would recommend it to just about anybody. It's a really unique, uh, sometimes sparse, but meticulously organized pop soundscape, that I can't really directly compare to anybody at the time, or really anybody now. Um, regardless to say, it's pretty fucking rad. Fuckin Listen to three more pikes this week. Three more pikes this week. Eh, I'm just a freak. I don't know. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, uh, We listen to pikes 303, 304, and 305. Castle of Frankenberry, Rainbow Tower, and two-story hourglass, respectively. Let's start out on uh, 303, which is, uh, you might know, the area code for Denver. And also, an annoying, I don't know, pop band from early to mid-2000s? I don't know. They were like, a couple scene girls were really, really into 303 for whatever reason. Who cares? Uh, Pike 303, Castle of Frankenberry, released on January 11th, 2022, 11 days after Cyborgs, Robots, and More. Uh, This one runs 27 minutes and 12 seconds long, and it's just two tracks. Um, first off, we need to talk about Castle of Frankenberry. He's talking about Frankenberry like the serial, right? Um, I wonder if he, he like encountered any kind of like a pushback. I mean, I'm not sure if... It seems like... I don't think corporations really care about Buckethead, which I find strange. Like, KFC has never seemed to care at all about Buckethead, which I find very strange because he's like... A celebrity whose costume includes their branding, but I think maybe the fact that he's like so pure and uh, you know everybody loves Buckethead. I mean, you know, no one hates Buckethead. Like people, if they don't want to listen or see Buckethead, they just don't don't look at him. Like he's not a controversial figure. He doesn't say or do like terribly controversial things. He's just a weird guy who's quiet and you know doing his own cool thing. So, first track on here is Enter the Skywalker, which is a a song that is very, very reminiscent of Led Zeppelin, and in as much uh, very reminiscent of Pike 299 Thought Pond, uh, which was two episodes ago. Um, it's an album that like sounded just a lot like... Every track sounded like Led Zeppelin riffs, and this is basically a ton of tracks shoved together, Um, they kind of do have a through line, but it all is a very, like, bluesy old rock style that's kind of big and noisy with, like, driving drums, and um, it sounds, like, largely like a tribute to Led Zeppelin. It's pretty cool. It's, um, the drums sound really good. Uh, The album has bass, which a couple of the last ones haven't, but it's mixed way far back and doesn't have a ton of space. Um, it doesn't take up a ton of mix, so it's, like, whatever. It's mostly drowned out by the bass drum. Um, I feel like uh, Enter Skywalker is probably a mix of, like, Enter the Dragon, the uh, the Bruce Lee film, and Star Wars, which is very, very Buckethead um, and kind of would make sense. Um, after about six minutes through the song, uh, Buckethead changes it up from a Led Zeppelin riff to something a little bit grungier and a little more alt-metal. And this kind of does have like a, an alt-metal through line throughout the whole song. And the song is pretty long, too. It's like 19 minutes or something like that. But um, um some, uh, you know, even throughout all the alt-metal, though, it still does have that kind of bluesy Zeppelin through line as well. So it is, the whole song is a very like buckethead alt-metal take on Led Zeppelin in a way, which is kind of interesting. And so... A lot of that, though, too, and as we discussed on uh, some of the past stuff, uh, when he does something that sounds like another artist, but he, like, leaves out a crucial element like vocals. Like, the album does, in part, sound, like, really sparse because of that, you know? You can only take so much of, like, the same riff over and over when, I don't know, like, so many simple riffs would just sound better with someone singing over it. But, you know, maybe... Maybe that's something Buckethead wants you to do. Is like, Maybe that's something he's always wanted people to do but no one ever has done, is apply vocals to his music. Maybe that's something I should do. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Is that a good idea? Should I do vocals to Buckethead's music? Who knows? That'd be kind of fun, actually. Uh, the best part of the song, Enter the Skywalker, uh, comes at just before eight minutes, when the drum and bass cut out completely, and we get just a really nice strummed mostly clean guitar with some delay and a little chorus, but uh, he breaks right back in after about a minute into some Zeppelin-esque butt rock. He slows way down, again, around 10 minutes, and that's pretty cool, and f- throughout the rest of the song, he kind of like uh, paces it and, and keeps a certain amount of uh, dynamics to it, which is kind of nice and makes it so the song doesn't get too monotonous. Uh, the song is pretty diverse, actually. Um, it's a cool song that still follows, like, the cardinal buckethead rule of, like, melodic alt metal, but also does the Zeppelin thing. Unfortunately, there's no solos in this song at all, which is for a 20-minute song, 20-minute buckethead song, like, with no vocals. Like, I think you need some solos. Or some, I don't know, some big, big, cool leads, harmonized, something like that. I don't know, but there's not really that. Um other than that, I think it kind of stands on its own as a Zeppelin tribute much better than the entirety or even any one singular track on Pike 299 Thought Pond. Um, it may be a little too long, at about 19 minutes, but it does use its time pretty well. Uh, next track on here is uh, Castle of Frankenberry. Um, so, exploring the domicile of the monstrous serial magnate here, this song is an absolute fucking banger. Just like eight or nine minutes of awesome, different flavors of metal—from speed metal to death metal to thrash to arena-type stuff, even some like almost like panic core, death core type stuff. Not not quite so breakdowny, or didn't really have like the double bass and like, you know, kind of. Uh, thing they do in hardcore, but it was, you know, it took elements from it, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, this is probably going to be my track of the week. This one was so much fun. It was just a fucking, it, it was a rip banger uh, ding danger. Um, stick it in your pie hole, you know what I'm saying? Overall, this album was pretty good. Um, I like it a lot more than, you know, what he's been doing, you know, the past like 10 pikes or so. Um, it felt pretty rounded out. Uh, my only real complaint is, you know, he just, first off, uh, the first song was a little too repetitive and I'm not super into like Led Zeppelin. So it was like, eh, whatever. And second off, he needs leads. He needs leads, needs solos, not on everything, but on stuff like this, that's just like, I mean, long riff songs with a lot of repetition, you gotta have vocals. And since you don't have vocals at all, Buckethead, you gotta get into them leads uh like yeah you gotta you gotta be like um the who live at Leeds you know what I'm saying something like that but overall, this is a pretty good album uh definitely better than average, I'd say slightly better than average it's not it's not a total banger um but it is pretty good and slightly better than average. Moving on, we have Pike 304, Rainbow Tower, released on January 20th, 2022, just nine days after Castle of Frankenberry. This one clocks in at uh, 27 minutes and 24 seconds, and is is four different tracks, all of varying lengths, uh, nothing that takes up half the album or more. Starts out on uh, track one, Rainbow Tower. Which has some pretty cool alt metal here with some ethereal backing keyboards. It's a pretty powerful kind of epic song. That's very melodic. Um, I don't know. It's not like power metal or anything. It sounds like another metal band trying to play what they think is kind of power metal. Like uh, almost. um, Gosh, what was that? You know that cover of um, Holy Diver by Killswitch Engage. It's like kind of kind of like that treatment of a a different kind of metal. So, you know, more clean, a little more alt, a little more updated, but still sounded really cool. Uh, I like Rainbow Tower a lot. Uh, Next track, Toy Museum, Uh, track two. Uh, This one's basically a new song for the first 45 seconds or minute of the song, with, like, starting out with, like, a riff being played on, like, a slightly grungy guitar, you know, like... Um, and then it just bursts in with heavy drums and a big uh, effects heavy bass and it's super bassy. Uh almost sounded like early corn in a way, which is kinda weird. Uh a lot of this is either like insanely down tuned or maybe even played on bass, but I think it's just um the like the the whammy pedal. Um but he's getting like super low here and getting some low tones. <gasps> we are getting low. Um speaking of speaking of corn I feel like there's, like, there's not a ton of metal bands out there named after grains or vegetables, are there? Why is that? Like, I mean, grains and vegetables can be hard as hell. They can be cool as fuck. Like, you know, like, you got, like, you know, a company named Apple. There's no, there's no metal band named Apple. That'd be cool. I mean, the Apple would probably really destroy them, wouldn't they? Yeah, that, that probably wouldn't. Yeah, take them to court. Um, Well, what's a a cool vegetable? What's the artichoke? Artichoke's a pretty hard vegetable, right? It's got like a real weird spiny outside, and you gotta like fucking boil it for like an hour and fucking stick in mayonnaise to make it some way, somehow edible. Like, it's always like kind of almost surprised me how like artichoke dip and shit like that exists because it's like, yeah, like you do have the core of the artichoke, but like processing artichoke on a commercial level would take for fucking ever and like you only get the core out of there. And like with the cost of artichokes, I feel like it's just not that economical. Like, I mean, there there are other things in the world we can use instead of artichokes. Artichokes aren't that important. I mean, no one, artich- I'm, what I'm saying is like, I don't think there's a, a person out there whose favorite food is artichoke, Right? What is a what is a sub's favorite vegetable? Artichoke, me, daddy. <laughs> hey, hey, bucket jokes are leaking. Go fuck yourself. Um. Oh, you know what? I guess you have. I mean, they're not a metal band, but Weedus. Weedus is a band. They're a grain. Um. Huh. Pretty good song though. Track two, pretty good. All right, pretty pretty fun. Lots of effects play in there. Lots of, lots of diaper play, lots of sticking fingers in the book. Track three, Water Molecule. Kind of cool little funk metal song going on here. It's about uh, five and a half minutes long, and it's all pretty solid funk riffs um, with, like, you know, a lot of distortion and shit. It is kind of weird to me that uh, Bucket is going so hard on the riffs here, and not really soloing, but it seems like that's kind of the motif in the last, like, ten pikes or so like no real solos, which is really weird to me because it's like a few years here. It's like basically he hasn't soloed, I think, since the beginning of the pandemic on his albums, except for the live stuff, obviously. But like, I don't know. I might have to go back and look, that, look at that. But that 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 feels right because, I mean, these are the first pikes of 2000, um, 2022 here. And he only had like a dozen or so from the previous year, so... And I feel like for the past, like, dozen or so pikes, except for the live couple, um, he hasn't hasn't really sound load. Weird, right? That is weird. Track four, Invisible Trees, a driving and a time super melodic and sometimes bluesy alt-metal song. Kind of standard bucket fare. Um, Somehow the China symbol here, unfortunately, uh, has gone back to sounding like fucking shit, like most programmed China symbols do. And I think one of the things is like most of the time people program the China symbol like entirely into one speaker. And so it's like distracting when it happens because if you can hear out of both ears, sorry not to be able to st- or anything here. But if you hear out of both ears and you're hearing in stereo, like one high-pitched thing in one of the speakers is just, just only happens for a second or so is very distracting. Like, a lot of people don't realize it, and it's a weird mixing thing that, like, I don't know, a lot of mixing people have done for a long time, and it makes sense for something like metal, where there's so much going on and so many high frequencies that are constantly barraging you, that, like, I mean, and I'm talking, like, extreme metal only, though. Like, anything else, like, there's there's not enough stuff to cover up how kind of shitty a lot of China symbols sound, you know? And it's it's a very weird sound that... I feel like you just don't really need for a lot of things. Like, it, it's nice to have variation with symbols, but there's so many other t- types of symbols that don't sound, you know, trash canny in that way. Um, other than that, it's a pretty good song. I like it, I guess. I like it as fine. It's a pretty good song. Um, yeah. Let's, uh, all Pike 304, Rainbow Tower pretty good album um i'd say it's average or better once again i really need some leads really need some solos it feels kind of empty and like i'm cool with a bunch of riffs bucket but i don't know i just i just want other stuff i want want other stuff it's cool whatever you do what you want Next, we have Pike 305, two-story hourglass, released on January 27th, 2022, just seven days after Rainbow Tower, one week. This one clocks in at uh, 28 minutes and seven seconds. First song we got here, uh, very long song, both these, both these songs are long, um, I think the first one's longer, though. It starts off with this killer groove riff on a super effects-driven guitar, or maybe bass. I'm still actually honestly not sure some of the time um, exactly what stringed instrument he's playing unless he starts playing like really high up on the neck because I'm pretty positive he doesn't really play much more than a four-string bass. He might play five sometimes, but he's not on a six, and he's not on a, a six that's extended double high, you know, so he's not playing that stuff. So it's got to be baritone guitar, I think, uh, with maybe some whammy pedal on it. Uh, this song, Two Story Hourglass, titular track, it's kind of repetitive. Uh, it's a groovy song, though. Um, and there's some parts where he'll spend like a minute or two grooving on just one riff, which is like, I don't know, Buckethead usually switches it up a little bit more than that. But I'm fine with him not doing it as long as the shit's good and there are some fucking tasty riffs in here i gotta say he's got a few riffs in here that i was like yeah that's 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 a groove my brother um but for the most part the song could have been half as long he could have cut out like half of the repetition of the riffs and it would have been a lot tighter it would have felt like you know something a little more focused um track two um, it's about the last third of the album. First first track's like 18 minutes. Second track is about 10 minutes. It's a little repetitive, kind of alt grungy metal song. Very, very buckethead. There's like um, a softer part about a minute in, minute and a half in. It's really cool before going into a really sick riff. But then it's, uh, you know, some more repetition, some more like alt metal stuff for the, pretty much the rest of the song. Um, nothing too surprising here. It doesn't go too far out of the box or experiment with a ton of genres on this one. And it's, uh, you know, not bad, but nothing incredibly dense or surprising or interesting. All in all, it's a uh, it's good, good couple tracks, but didn't really make a cohesive, interesting album. I'd say this might be the weakest album of the week, um, but all of them, I'd say, are at least average or better. But they're they're very average-ish, you know? Like, um, out of ten, I'd give like the best one of these albums maybe a six and a half or something like that. Like they're not getting too far beyond the 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 median five. You know what I'm saying? Gosh, two story hourglass. Uh, what's the biggest hourglass I've ever seen? Um, oh, there was a giant. They have for some reason they had a giant hourglass at this old fucking winery in. It was either France or Italy. I want to say it was Rome, but it could have been Paris. I don't even know. I was drunk most of that time I was in Europe. Europe's a great place to get drunk, I'll tell you that. That's because they have much cheaper, much better alcohol. Um, And also, like, no one one motherfucking gives a fuck if you're, like, day drinking or anything. And I don't really, I don't drink anymore at all, actually. But um, if I did, I should have been in Europe. I would have been a much better drunk in Europe. You know what I'm saying? Much better drunk in Europe. Well, I guess that is all the albums for the week. And with that, I think it's time we take a trip into the Bucket Void.
1: Statements from the Bucket void. Bucket Void! <laughs>
0: God. Oh, my God. Hey, it's the Bucket Void. It's the part of the show where I uh, take YouTube comments, comments from the internet about uh, all these pikes we've been listening to this week, and read them. Alrighty, let's start out on uh, comments for Pike 303. Um, uh, Castle of Frankenberry. Ricky Santana says seven months ago. That sounds
1: like pretty. Um. Um. Jum. The slug again.
0: Tastes magnificent. Okay, Ricky. That's. That's a thing. Thank you, Ricky Santana. Uh, Featuring. Santana featuring. uh, Ricky Santana featuring. Um, the the guy from Matchbox Twenty. Wow, I really f- I f- Rob Thomas a rep Matchbox Twenty. I'd fucking drop the ball on that. I'm so sorry, everybody. Anyway, moving on. Kenny DD says seven months ago that got a hot condition should be playing Celine Dion. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's kind of insensitive to his condition, but perhaps softer music wouldn't be the worst idea for him to but you know he's a shred master he's got to do a bucket's got to do what a bucket's got to do you know we love bucket continue on on um pike 303 guy debord says seven months ago edited if he tries to improve his composing skills and develops his ideas maybe he could record one real album sorry i find boring and flat his hundreds of quote-unquote records Try John Schofield, Jim Hall, Alan Holdsworth, Pat Martino, Scott Henderson, dot, dot, dot. Uh, People didn't love this. People did not love this at all. Um, Ben McKenzie replies to him one month ago. Oh, Why, listen, then. Maybe to the ones you listed, and shh, until you can't even write, compose, and play a hundredth of the music Buckethead's quality, maybe your opinion should be worth... Possibly entertaining. Guy DeBoard responds to him one month ago and says, You're right. Indeed, I scarcely listened to his millions of pikes. Only a few were interesting. Wow. Man. Gosh, Guy DeBoard, I don't think you have. There's a lot of good pikes. Go fuck yourself, guy. Go fuck yourself, guy. Moving on. Uh, last comment on Pike uh, 303 here, Castle Frankenberry. C's Circle of Cleaver says seven months ago. This is not a song. It is a look inside the mind of Buckethead. His riffing and noodling are mesmerizing. He's in the groove, and this is what comes out of what on anyone else would be called a soul. Bucket is in the zone, and the music has taken over the machine. The drumming also rocks. Cool. Uh, Interesting opinion. It was not not a bad pike. Don't totally disagree with that. Um, Sea circle of the cleaver. What the fuck does that even mean? I don't even know. Ooh, and look at that. All right, well, we're going to visit an old friend uh, specifically just for this pike this week because he only left one comment. Who is it? It's our old friend, Jordan Vine.
1: Master of the ship key, a bucket god divine, our mentor extraordinaire, it's time for Jordan Vine!
0: Jordan Vine says, seven months ago, about Pike 303, Castle of Frankenberry, sensational and awesome! I really don't care what he does, I'm not gonna... Whinge and whine, moan and complain. Oh, he's done this before, or he's done that before, and why did he do this, and why did he do that, etc., etc., etc. I just do one thing. I just listen to it and
1: enjoy it.
0: Simple. Thank you so much, Jordan Vine. We really appreciate that. Unfortunately, that's all the that Jordan Vine we have for the week. So he's still out there, folks. He's still a posting. Next, we've got comments on Pike 304 Rainbow Tower. What do we got here? All right. So Rocky Gilio says seven months ago, killer Pike. I wonder if he's going to do a tribute to Eddie Van Halen. I'd like to see one of those pikes, and I'm pretty sure he's doing his own cover art, but I really loved, I don't know how far back, but the cover art for the pikes are some of the best I've ever seen in my life, as far as the album covers. Thanks, Rocky. Uh, I guess Bucket does his, for the past several pikes, done his own art, so I'm sure Buckethead appreciates that compliment. Uh, someone who doesn't love this one so much is Milo on Wheatbix. He says seven months ago... I don't know, man. These new pikes have been so boring lately with no real thought being put into them, it seems. Sure, some of the riffs here and there are cool, but I can't really cover a runtime of 30 minutes, and it's really quite sad to see some of his fan base get angry when someone points out these blaring issues. It really just seems... Like, listen to anything he puts out. Compare this to something like Crime Slunk Scene, or even the first Pikes, or Pikes from 2020. It really doesn't compare in any shape or form. I'm just hoping the new tarot card project will be a major step up to whatever this is. Yikes. Not a big fan. People were not a fan of that comment. Um, including, So Just Because, who says seven months ago,
1: On Weedbix, I see your point, but I guess you are missing another point. Imagine a good 10-minute song from a good musician-slash-band. They fill it up for 7 to 8 minutes for the last 2 minutes, and then they kill it during those last 2 minutes. Now imagine that each 10 pikes is-slash-are a single pike slash song of B.H. He fills it up for 7 to 8 pikes, and then he damn kills it, by the following two or three pikes said as a buckethead follower since 27 years, the thing, what you are waiting for or expecting is coming soon. That's,
0: that's kind of word salad. Um, I guess like he's saying like, well, I mean, other artists, when they do make a 10 minute song, only like 20% of it's good. So like if 20% of the pikes are good, that's fine. Right. Just like, man, I guess, like, I get Milo on Wheatbix. He's asking for, like, you know, consistency and quality control. But when you put out so many albums, it's kind of a lot more difficult to do that. So I get it. I get it. I don't get it. I get it and I don't get it. It's a thing. It's a whole thing. I don't know. So uh, moving on, Um, we've got uh, well, several more comments on Pike 304, uh, Rainbow Tower here. Josh DeRue
1: says, seven months ago, The drum machine kills me. He has 300 albums, and they all sound the same. The cookie-cutter method of writing is getting pretty boring. He really needs a drummer and a new approach.
0: Does he really need a drummer? I mean, he's he's been doing fine for all these pikes. I think he, a new approach, I don't disagree with that. Like, it's always good to, you know, recenter yourself and kind of uh, figure out what you're doing and figure out where you're going. And um, I don't know. I don't know. What's what's the point? What's the point in getting, like he's, he's obviously great at programming drums. Maybe he just needs to like give up the program drums for a little bit. Maybe use something new, like a drum machine or hand percussion, something like that. Who knows? But I do agree. New approach. That all sounds good. All right. Moving on, we got uh, um, uh, some more comments to uh, Milo on Weebix. Um, Bazinga Bomb Bomb says seven months ago, maybe Ed Sheeran is more your speed. uh, And then Josh Slunk uh, says seven months ago, by all means, show us how it's done, Josh. I don't know what Josh he's talking to here. He's not, oh, oh yeah, he's responding to the previous Josh, the Josh Derui, because his name is Josh as well. Okay, that confused me. Um, We also got Ken Hoey, uh, seven months ago, says, Well, it's just constructive criticism. Understandably, the guy is a musical genius. However, he's not exempt from being critiqued. Buckethead has a huge catalog to reference, and much of it is great. Another part of it is prolific, but not everything he records is great. To think that wouldn't be logical or true. I, however, don't agree with the original commenter that all 300 albums sounded the same. But it's true when he goes with real drums, it does sound better. Yeah, I I guess he does sound better with real drums, but I mean, I guess that's not really the point of the Pikes. Like, the, the point of the Pikes is, like, his own artistic freedom and being able to, you know, get by without the studio system, and I guess kind of without a drummer, because, like you know there's only been a couple guys he's really relied on his entire life to play drums for him and it obviously takes him a long time to like form trust bonds with people which i like to think is why for the first several years of his solo career he really didn't play out live much and he only played with very specific people and he still does you know i mean what other drummers has he really played with um N- not just guesting, besides Pinchface and Brain for the past, I don't know, 15 years at least. I mean, it's, it's just been the two of them, so I don't know. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to hear him play with a new drummer, but it's, you know, either like he gets Brain back, but Brain's busy doing ton of other stuff, or Pinchface, who's busy being a fucking real estate agent, Or he just, you know, figures something else out. Forms new bonds, which might not be happening. Or, I don't know, try something new. Who knows? But, yeah, I agree with a new approach. A new approach is good. Let's Pike 304. Uh, Let's move on to comments on Pike 305. Two-story hourglass. All right, what do we got here? J says, seven months ago. The fact that he has given up on soloing and shredding in recent pikes only inspires me more. I'm not a lead guitarist, but love playing these types of riffs. I permanently fractured my left arm and shoulder a few years ago, which made playing impossible. How do you permanently fracture your arm? That was until I discovered the genius of Buckethead. His inspiration not only encouraged me to pick up the guitar again, but also to adapt a new playing style to fit around my disability. I have made an album with 13 guitar tracks and now working on a second album. I owe everything to this wonderful human being that is Buckethead. I, I love that comment. I love someone being like truly inspired by something. I like that it has 42 uh, likes, you know, uh, reminiscent of some Douglas Adams there. Answers 42. You know, uh, that's just like, that's cool. Um, I don't, you know, I'm I'm on record on this podcast, specifically the one you're listening to, not being too thrilled about him not getting into solos, not getting into lead work. But that like kind of recontextualizes it for me a little bit. Like this, it, he's inspiring someone who has a limited ability in some way to play, and you know, Buckethead lessening his ability and inspiring others with less ability is fucking cool, actually. Um, and I respect that, and I respect this guy's. More than anything, I respect this guy's perspective on it. I mean, that's a really positive, cool perspective. So thank you, David J. We like you. It's positive shit. Moving on, we got Joseph Mardish. uh, who says, seven months ago, I love the less shreddy pikes. For all those bitching, there is almost 300 pikes chock full of shredding, gnarly soloing, so go check what he has already. Also, I feel it shows skill and style to switch it up. I love some of his mellow stuff the most, like Electric C and Trace Candle, to name a couple. Buckethead, thanks for the music and variety. You know, that's another perspective there. Like, I can see you being into this if you just like, you know, like a huge variety of stuff, but I'm not someone who listens to a ton of like very repetitive. Um instrumental music unless it's something like ambient or you know like EDM I guess at some point but you know when it comes to like instrumental rock when it gets like super repetitive especially like now that we have DAWs we have digital audio workstations and it's possible to you know basically copy paste a lot of stuff like a lot of stuff that sounds more copy pasted and it's more repetitive ends up sounding like lazier in a way and there was a time where like you know, back before they had that, back in like the 60s and 70s, if your band could play like robotically and play the exact same thing over and over, that was awesome. That is exactly what you wanted because it was a cool studio sound. But like the more polished things have gotten, the worse polish on recorded music sounds to people, you know, who record music, especially like I want a rawness. I want a live kind of feel to a lot of stuff. And like, you know, the more polished up it is, the more of repetition of the exact same thing over and over it is, the less interest of mine it has in general. Moving on. I'm going to probably close out the bucket void with this. Um, Tim Twohig says seven months ago, I am a shredder. I have been for 20 years. I never got all the bucketed hype. Hell, I even worked with him once. Pretty good, but not worth all the hoopla I heard, until I fucking get now. Can't believe the years I wasted not paying attention to what was happening in Buckethead Land. I guess I heard him, just never listened. Proud to say I'm a vet now. Seen the beauty. Seen the serene landscapes. I felt the heartbreak and loss. The insecurity and anxiety. And the blood. The glorious blood and horror of it all. The anger, the rage, the love, and the fun, goofy silliness. It's all within Buckethead land. Becker, Friedman, Vi, Sotch, Gilbert, Howe, McAlpine, Moore, etc. The Technique. The emotion and the mastery of the instrument has always been what I respected and admired, but none of them. And I mean none. Well, you can't fuck with Becker. No one will ever be on that level. can touch B H. He shreds with the best of them, without breaking a sweat. Every genre, style, technique, he has a complete mastery of. And what he does in the studio is an amazing representation of who Buckethead really is at a core level. When I play, I wish I could shred less, write that simple three-chord song that smacks you in the face, but but I can't. We all know what Buckethead is capable of. I actually respect the fact he doesn't have to solo constantly to get his mental image across to the listener. Honestly, I didn't even realize he hasn't soloed for so many pikes till I saw everyone bitching. Buckethead does exactly what we need to hear when we need to hear it. So quit whining and just enjoy the sonic wave he provides us. Don't ever change, oh great and mighty ruler of the bloodiest and happiest place on Earth, Buckethead Land!
1: Statements Statements from the Oh, boy. Boy. Hey,
0: we we made it out alive. We made it out of there. Good for us. Um, gosh, I guess we are to the point now. Point of the show, where we are recommending things. I already recommended a movie, Master and Commander from 2003. I loved that. Um. I also kind of unrecommended a film, *Camouflage* from two thousand five, not great. Now I'm going to recommend a film that was absolutely fucking horrible, like just just bad, bad on a level I have never experienced in my life. Um, it's it's um I think I think. The Los Angeles Times, as Kevin Thomas, summed it up the best when he said, Meet the Family is an experience to be missed. Basically, Meet the Family, from 2005, is an urban comedy that takes place in an African-American family's dining room. The Rump family has congregated for dinner in order to meet the eldest son Humphrey's new girlfriend, Lacey. Humphrey, however thinks that bringing Lacey home to meet his only his parents. He has no idea that his siblings, grandparents, and other family members and friends are waiting to meet his new lover. When the family meets Lacey, hilarity ensues as they are not expecting a petite white female to be on Humphrey's arm. The rumps do not try to put on a show for Lacey. They remain their funny and sometimes crude selves. Their naivete adds to the comedic element because even grandma's sexual indianos go vo- over her head. The Rump family embraces Lacey as one of its own, and Lacey springs some of her own surprises at the dinner table. This was, um... This was a, like, a, a bottle episode of a movie. It was... It all took place, like, basically in one in, in one dining room, and it was, like, one big conversation. It was, like, um if if one of the dumbest people alive directed um like my dinner with andre it was a co- it was a series of conversations around the dinner table it was also it was like my dinner with andre mashed up for some reason with nutty professor to the clumps and it had like the exact same like fart humor and everything and in as much like um the one of the main characters humphrey who i mentioned uh looks exactly like fucking uh, fucking the, the, the nutty professor, whatever clump uh played by Eddie murphy like he's a fat dude who's a scientist with a mustache it's like such a weird rip off in so many ways, but at the same time it is so entirely original um, and i've literally i've never seen anything quite like it. It is one of the most horrendous things i've experienced in my life, but it made me feel it made me feel something and um and that means it's real art. So I, I highly recommend Meet the Family from 2005. It is one of the worst and best and dumbest things I have ever experienced. Speaking of bad and dumb and stupid and whatever, I think that means it's time for my favorite part of the show. It's time for some bucket jokes
1: ha bucket joke
0: bucket joke
1: ha bucket joke
0: ha my friend asked me if i had any toothpicks i said i make you pay for the ones of my feet why would i give you ones of my teeth for free i had an employee And my boss said, if you give them an inch, they'd think they were a ruler. But I gave the employee eight inches, and they didn't think they were eight rulers. (laughs) Roe versus Wade is important to more than just women. In fact, it's the only two options you have when you're canoeing. Nearly every identical system... No, I'm sorry, I fucked that one up. Nearly every numerical system uses decimals. So I want to know why the Dewey Decimal System is the only one that has it in its name. It's the Dewey fucking book system. What do getting the Heimlich, eating a gravy casserole, and David Carradine's final moments have in common? Well, both are stroganoff and choking. (laughs) I saw someone recharging some batteries the other day. I thought they were revolting. (laughs) What do a Weight Watchers instructor and cocaine users have in common? Enlarged pupils. Weird that no paranormal investigators have investigated maybe the best-known phenomena of my generation, Santana's supernatural. She sells seashells down by the seashore because she's fucking terrible at business. They're free and all over the goddamn beach, you fucking idiot. A crow walks into a bar, and now it can remove nails. What do the guy you bunk with in jail and coming all over your iPhone have in common? Cellmates. <laughs> ah, 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 all right, and that is the end of the show. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging with us today. Uh, if you want to find me online, um, you can go to at. A bucket cast on any social, or you can find me at Dog Vorbis on many socials. Um I don't know, just, just look around, find me. I'll be around. I'll be doing stuff. I don't give a fuck, man. Um yeah, thanks for bearing with me for this first solo show. I thought I would absolutely lose my mind talking for more than an hour by myself, but you, you know you know what? It wasn't so goddamn bad. It was actually pretty easy. You know, I'm kinda Kind of stress free now too, which which is good. It feels good. It feels good to be here. And thanks for sticking with me. And you know what? With that, I think we're gonna give a brief Patreon update because we love our Patreon followers, don't we, folks? They're just fabulous, aren't they, folks? Um. So you know, thanks to all of our Patreon followers, but thanks so much to our five dollar big dumb idiot followers. Jordan Hale. We got Devin Saturnus, We got Ian Killia. We got Dan Morrison and Dylan Lance. Thank you motherfuckers so much. You're beautiful. Uh, If you want to, you know, help us out, help me out a little bit, I guess, now, uh, check out patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs to support this podcast and the other podcasts and listen to all our bonus episodes. And, uh, you know... Hopefully with this new arrangement and everything, I'll figure out a way to get uh, bonus episodes to you, um, bonus content to you, a little better. Sorry, sorry, I've been slacking off and jacking off on that. I'm trying to be better for you. I appreciate you. So, um, I have been Britain, and I've also been Britain. You've been listening to Gettin' Head, a bucket cast. Stay greasy.
1: Bucketheads. Namaste.